Welcome to Bloom Together, the podcast where we cultivate education leadership, innovation, and impact, one conversation at a time. Join us as we learn from visionary leaders, share inspiring stories, and uncover strategies that drive meaningful change in K-12 education. All right, good day and welcome back, podcast listeners. This is really the second part of our first episode on our overall series. It's focusing on mental health support systems in Idaho schools. And I'm back with Katie Azevedo, who is a longtime expert and educator in our Idaho schools. If you missed her introduction, check back with episode one. But we're coming back to kind of add... I would say this is more of an appendix to our first episode that dives into to one of the elements that Katie talked about with the six elements of the of a healthy system, zeroing in on healthy systems. Is that accurate or systems? Yeah, How healthy, comprehensive systems, comprehensive sustainable systems. systems. We yeah. could give a lot of yeah. descriptive words there. Yeah, and in education, we're so guilty of creating an acronym for everything. It seems like everything we, you know, that we hear about, it's like, what can we, how can we make that into an acronym or, you know, or start calling something, you know, that doesn't make sense as an acronym and we just use it as an acronym. And, and so this first part, let's, let's unpack some of these things. So we've talked about PBIS, we've Mm -hmm. talked about MTSS, and we haven't really, I think, talked much about ISF so those are three good, <laughs> good, good ones right. to start with. So let's let's unpack those. Starting with PBIS, what is PBIS, and how does that apply to the to the work that we're doing in schools for supporting students in mental health? Yeah, and I think it's it's such an important conversation that we're aware of the acronyms we're using and also our audience because. I know they can be really threatening. It's almost like a foreign language. And so with PBIS, it's positive behavior interventions and supports. It's all of- So let's slow that down. Positive Mm -hmm. behavior Mm -hmm. intervention supports. Mm -hmm. Okay. PBIS. Yep. PBIS. So um, we could even go back in time and it was PBS. So positive behavior and supports in that- um, was originated at the University of Oregon. So we're really fortunate just in, uh, you know, proximity to where this was founded and how it took off. PBIS or PBS, they had a legal issue with public broadcasting systems. So they added an I. So if you're coming across things that look, you know, very similar between PBIS and PBS, they are the same. But Back at the University of Oregon, George Sugai, Dr. George Sugai and Dr. Rob Horner were really looking at what do we do with some of those students with extreme, challenging, intense behaviors. So they kind of entered the conversation at the top of the pyramid, if you will, and started working in schools and realized, gosh, if we if we do some of these elements or provide some of these components or support mechanisms for all kids, it really helps and we're seeing fewer kids with um, intense behavior. And so um, what we're doing is good for all, and all meaning all kids and all staff, really. So positive behavior supports is a three-tiered model. This three-tiered model, at the ground level, we kind of call that our green zone universal. There's a lot of different names for the same thing in education. We're really thinking about how are we supporting the behavioral needs of all kids? 
all meaning all. So at tier one, we're thinking about things like what are our common behavioral expectations? So being respectful, ready to learn. We try to limit those three to five. We found that if you have more than five behavioral expectations, kids only remember, you know, a few, a couple, a handful. And we're thinking about not just identifying what those behavioral expectations are, but we are going to explicitly teach those. So one that we hear all the time, respect, be respectful. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And then also, what are the non-examples? With creating the behavioral expectations, with explicitly teaching those, um, we need to have them visible around the school, around the community. How are we going to acknowledge staff and students when they're meeting or exceeding those behavioral expectations? And so we want to provide that positive feedback Sometimes this comes in the way of rewards. I think that kind of has a bad connotation to it. Remember that when we're we're providing rewards, positive acknowledgements, whatever you want to call it, that's not the same as bribery. That's very, those are two different things. So we always want to define what it is and what it isn't. And then we're also thinking about with PBIS for when individuals aren't meeting those expectations, what are some predictable and consistent consequences? And so when we're thinking about consequences, they need to really mirror the level of intensity of behavior. So if we have a student that is tapping her pencil, we're probably not going to issue a suspension. And really thinking with staff and working with staff to identify, you know, maybe we have three levels of problem behavior. We have junk behavior. That behavior doesn't really impact anyone. It can just be pretty annoying, really. And so what are some ways that we can respond to junk behavior? And then maybe minor behaviors, behavior that only impacts that individual student. What are some effective and efficient ways to respond to that type of behavior? So we are creating those environments, as we talked in the last one, that are consistent, predictable, positive, safe, and equitable. And so these are things that, as a, as a school does training on PBIS, it is getting training on how do we collectively mm-hmm. consistently handle these levels of behavior challenges. And then we go to these levels and so that there is some consistency there. Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. And one thing that you really brought up that's so important is that PBIS isn't a scripted curriculum or a package. It's merely a set of frameworks and you can go to pbis.org. All of this information is free. They have great implementation blueprints. But really, you know, two schools could be implementing PBIS with fidelity and it could look very different, but these core elements are in place. I think that's what's key. But as you're talking about this, you know, what we talked about before in our first episode together were those those six elements to a healthy system. We talked mm-hmm. about common language and, and the systems that we're zeroing in on right now. We talked about positive relationships and a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And the last one was self-care. Mm-hmm. I'm really thinking, you know, as, as you're talking about this, is like, man, there's a lot of interconnectedness here because really when you talk about these consistent practices, mm-hmm. you're also at the same time creating that healthy, safe environment and also con- contributes to positive relationships. It's, it's you're, you're doing more than just building the systems here. You're also creating that safe environment. So when, the, when students have that consistency, mm-hmm. And they know what's expected of them. And they also are aware of consistent consequences that creates that culture and that climate of, right. of, of being safe 
and also contributes to those positive relationships. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And you can see too, where if we are creating an environment that is rich with these things, we're also supporting the mental health of all the stakeholders involved. And so PBIS is researched and researched and researched, and you can find all of those data points. But, you know, we're seeing an improvement of positive behavior. We're seeing an improvement of academic outcomes. If we have students that are able to behave appropriately and engage in instruction, we're going to see, you know, some great um some great elements of support as far as academic outcomes. We're also seeing staff retention improve. We're seeing schools that are able to or more able to get substitutes to show up and work. So there's a lot of it, it, you know, it really does go to a healthier system. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So PBIS, Mm -hmm. positive behavior intervention support, Mm -hmm. MTSS. Okay. One item I want to add on to the PBIS And it's the final item, and it's crucial, is database decision-making. And so I think we're really good at collecting data. We're not always as good at using data. And we're better at collecting academic data and looking at that and, you know, having it inform kind of our practices. But we want to do the same as far as behaviors. So really looking at um, things we already have available, like attendance, tardiness, suspensions, expulsions, but we also want to look back to those consistent and predictable consequences. How much junk behavior are we seeing? What can we do about that? How much minor behavior or major behavior that's impacting others in the environment? That data is really what's going to drive our action. We also want to know if we're seeing behavioral issues at what level. Are we seeing it more out of a grade level than a different grade level? How about a certain time of day? So that data piece is huge. And that data piece kind of carries us over to MTSS. So MTSS is multi-tiered systems of support. It is the same framework as PBIS. I hear people um, say, oh, well, PBIS is like the behavior side of MTSS, and I'll caution you that the PBIS gurus get really angry because they say, well, if you're doing PBIS, well, you're also impacting, positively impacting academic outcomes. So I would say that that MTSS is, is more of a generic framework, but where we're being really intentional with what are our academic supports and our behavioral supports? And that brings us to such a crucial topic, the connection between academic outcomes and behavior. So we know the chicken and the egg cross the road together. If we look at the research, we know that those students with really intense behavioral issues, 94% of them also have academic issues. And the older they get, the higher the correlation. And so really, we can't just divide out you know, and have a conversation around what what's the behavior we're seeing and then a totally different group of educators talking about well how are they doing academically we've got to look at the whole child so that really kind of brings in mtss and we want to think about at tier one what are we doing for all kids at tier two what are we doing for some kids in small groups so that is usually the tier that we skip We get tier one in place. What are we doing for all kids? And then there's a fire and we jump in with individualized supports, which is tier three. So we really want to think about the power of creating small groups. So maybe we're creating some small groups where kids are checking in with adults periodically throughout the day and setting goals. Maybe we're pulling kids together for who've experience recent grief and they can come together and lean on each other or executive functioning skills is another one. 
And then again, at tier three, that's our most intense behavior needs, academic issues. And we want to, we want to know truly who those kids are so we can save those resources for who needs those resources. So at tier one, if we're doing it well, we should be reaching um, the needs at MTSS, that's academically and behaviorally, of 80 to 90% of our students. Tier two, roughly 15% of our students should need those services. And only one to 5% of our students should really be considered to need tier three. One other thing to consider, we don't have tier one kids, tier two kids, or tier three kids. We have, we want to label the need, not the student, because we may have a student who needs some tier two supports academically for, you know, a few months. And then that core curriculum is enough and they're proficient and they're thriving. Yeah. And so when you talk about the tiers of intervention and support, you're using those tiers as you talk about both PBIS, the positive behavior intervention support, as Mm -hmm. well as the multi-tier system of support, which is the tiers. Is that how you would maybe elaborate a little bit on the MTSS then and as it relates Mm -hmm. to the the tiers? Yes, same framework, same triangle. With MTSS, if we're truly doing MTSS as it's designed to be done, we're incorporating our academic supports and interventions as well as our behavior. Yep, great. So what are some examples from the MTSS framework or that model that you would think about in terms of tier one, tier two, and tier three? So are we talking specifically to on the academic aspect of things when we talk about MTSS? And behavior, both. And behavior, both. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So at tier one, and I've seen um, where in each school, again, this is a framework. It's not a scripted program or curriculum. So, you know, each school being so different in Idaho, you create it based on your contextual needs. But we've had teams that have gone through, let's say, PBIS training, and they realize that, gosh, we have an RTI team that is essentially only talking about academics and we're small and rural and we're pretty much the same team here at this PBIS training. Let's combine efforts. Let's talk about what are we going to do for all kids on the academic side and the behavior side. And then from there we can build up what are we going to do in small groups and then individualized. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Anything else you would elaborate on, on PBIS or MTSS before we switch to ISF? Okay. Another acronym. Yeah. Um, just that those proportions are really important, and we don't know those proportions unless we have clean, valid, reliable data. So we need that data to inform our system. I've gone into schools where their pyramid fills upside down, where they feel like they have to individualize everything for every kid because all the needs are so unique. That's really a tier one or a core problem. We need to go back to what are we doing for all kids. I've also been in schools where it looks more like a column, and that's really tough, you know, to be providing support at tier one for all kids. And then a third of the kids also need tier two and another third also need tier three. So it just helps us to organize our instruction, our interventions, our efforts. Yeah. Is there a standard or, or of some sort that feels normal? I don't know if normal is the right name as we, as we think about the, the proportions of students that might need tier two supports versus tier three supports. Is there a kind of standard that that is kind of something that we should be expecting in a school? Yeah, I would say we could view it as a goal, really, to have 15, roughly 15 
5% of our students only needing tier two, and then only one to 5% of our students really needing that intense individualized intervention at tier three. And that, again, if we're talking MTSS, we're thinking academically and behaviorally. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's talk about ISF, Interconnected Systems Framework. Did I get that right? You did. Okay. What is that and what is that framework? You know, I always hear, gosh, we're going through initiative fatigue. There's so many new initiatives and at times I feel like we're going through framework fatigue because there's all these different frameworks, but really they're talking the same thing. And so this is really created by some of our PBIS gurus and what they realized in implementing PBIS for the last, you know, almost 30 years is that it really does promote well-being of students and staff and mental health of students and staff, but we could be more intentional. And so it's taking that same three-leveled pyramid, that same tiered pyramid, and thinking about what can we do specific to mental health concerns with a system, a framework we already have in place. So we don't want to do something totally new just to support the mental health needs. We're going to take what we already have and leverage it. So that's essentially the interconnected systems framework. Okay. And there's four elements Mm -hmm. to it. Talk about that. What are those four elements? The first element is really that one that I just mentioned, and it's the power in having a single mechanism of delivery. So, you know, typically I think research says that schools have about 14 to 26 initiatives going at the same time, and they're not all done very well because we're spread so thin. So rather than doing something different, we're going to take what we already have and think about what are we going to do for the mental health concerns of all kids at tier one? What can we provide in small group at tier two and then individualized at tier three? So we're taking that single delivery system and we're kind of just beefing it up so that we're really targeting mental health needs. Okay. So when you talk about kind of the first element being a single mechanism of delivery, you're Mm -hmm. talking about really the pyramid that we've been focusing on when we talk about PBIS and MTSS, and that is tier one supports, tier two supports, tier three supports. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about specifically for ISF, Uh Interconnected Systems Framework, is that specific to mental health supports while PBIS is specific to behavior. MTSS is more specific maybe to academic support. Is ISF more specific to mental health supports? Yes and no. The approach I like to take is we want to have the strongest system we can to support student needs. And to do that, we want to look at their academic needs, their behavior needs, their mental health needs. And so, again, ISF was created to really help with that mental health component because it can no longer be ignored and we already have our framework we already have those elements at play with pbis or mtss so you should have a leadership team that's meeting at least monthly you can lean into those behavioral expectations and i can give you an example of that you should also be responding consistently whether that's to really great behavior or maybe some behavior that needs some work or some mental health concerns 
And then that data collection piece is huge. And so if we're looking, if we're collecting data on behavior, that's also going to inform us of kind of the mental health status of a lot of our students. And then maybe we're going to go a step further with interconnected systems framework and do some more like mental health behavioral screeners. So some of those kids with more internalizing behaviors, we're able to pick up on them before, you know, their needs intensify. Great. Okay. Thank you. So... You mentioned the four elements. Did, did I miss the second one? Yeah. So the second, well, you didn't miss it. <laughs> so the second one, all students need access to mental health supports. And this is really the power of that tier one at ISF. What are we truly doing for all students? And a great example of kind of ISF or trauma-informed care or mental health support, you could call it many things at tier one. If you're implementing tier one of PBIS, you most likely have a behavior matrix, which is really going to outline those three to five expectations and then the different locations in your school. And so this is a prime example of you creating your framework based on your context. So a matrix at the elementary school is going to look much different than the high school elementary. You know, you're going to have those expectations and then you're going to look at how are you respectful, ready to learn in the hallway, on the playground, in the classroom, in the lunchroom, and really pointing out what that looks like. So I'm going to show respect in the hallway by walking on the right side of the hall. I'm going to be respectful and responsible in the lunchroom by you know, following the protocol of cleaning up my lunch tray. At the high school level, though, maybe you're going to have locations like locker room, parking lot, different places like that. And all schools are unique. So they all have their, you know, unique element as far as a location. One thing, though, we can do if we're more kind of centered around ISF, really thinking of how can we beef this up to better support the mental health needs of students. I've seen a lot of schools add a column. So to those locations, it's not really a location, but it's when I feel upset. So when I feel upset, I can show respect by, and then we're explicitly teaching that. I can be responsible by. I can show that I'm ready to learn even though I'm upset by doing this. And so we're really teaching those kind of like self-regulation, calming skills. How do we get back to that upstairs kind of thriving brain in order to engage in learning? Yeah, great. What's number three? Number three is access is not enough. And this one I love because impact defines success. So think about all the the things we do in education where we're not necessarily monitoring the outcome. It's more of a checklist. So, yep, we've got that in place. Check it off. ISF pushes us a little bit further where we're looking at, yes, we're doing that. Is it working? Do we need to keep doing it? Do we need to do something differently? And here's how we know based on student outcomes. Great. So the, the first one was a single mechanism of delivery, if that's accurate. The mm -hmm. second one was all students need access to mental health supports. Mm -hmm. And some need more and some need a whole lot more. Yes. And that gets into the, the tiers that we've been talking mm -hmm. about. And then three is access is not enough. I like that. Mm -hmm. What's number four? Number four, and it's kind of one we hit on at the beginning, it's that we're able to utilize those core features of MTSS and PBIS that we already have in place. 
So if we're doing PBIS or MTSS with Fidelity, we have a leadership team. We have rich data that we're using to drive decisions. We're also reaching out beyond campus to families and communities. So we can really leverage those efforts that we already have in place rather than doing something drastically different. Great. Okay, so to review, four core elements of, of an interconnected systems framework. Single mechanism of delivery. All students need access to mental health. Access is not enough. And for using, I'll have you paraphrase the last one. I, I don't think. Yeah, the core features of that multi-tiered system. Okay, great. What would you say, and what's your your feel or knowledge of how many or percentage wise of our districts that you are aware of have these systems in place already? That's a really difficult question. And the reason I say that, I work with schools all the time where they're like, oh, yeah, we've, you know, we went to that PBIS training 10 years ago and we have posters. Well, that's not truly, you know, alive and thriving within your culture. Your expectations, not everyone knows them. You're not explicitly teaching those. We're not acknowledging kids for great behavior. We're not responding consistently and there's no data in place. So, no, you're not doing PBIS. It's not a checklist item. You say we've we we did it. We're you know, we're done. It's it's an ongoing process. You're always doing it. You live it. it. Yes. Yep. And then your plan, do, check, act, because we always are going to have new kids, new staff, new families, new administrators. And so really looking at the system. Did you say plan, do, check, act? Yes. You just blew right through that. So (laughs) (laughs) slow down on that. Okay. Yeah. So we're never there. That's like good news, bad news, right? That we're never going to just, like you said, check it off our list, that we're always revisiting it, revising it, refreshing it. It's an important, I guess, awareness and, you know, to our audience that are listening is if you are in a school, it's kind of a self-reflection. Where are you? I mean, Mm -hmm. are you... Are you just checking the box and saying we've done it? Mm-hmm. Or are you struggling because maybe you need a refresher and you need to kind of come back to the basics of, right. of these these things and do that re- self-reflection? Where are you really? If you're struggling and going back mm-hmm. to kind of the proportionality of where the support is, if, if you're really feeling top-heavy on Tier 3, it may be a sign that mm-hmm. you need to regroup and think about your systems. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about, I mean, those those schools that are listening, school mm-hmm. leaders that are listening and say, okay, I need a refresher. I need to regroup on this. What are some resources for them that you would point them to to get that support back into their, their school or their district? Yeah, and I, I think like as far as leadership team training for your PBIS leadership team or your MTSS, ISF, whatever you want to call it, it's not just a one-time thing because you are going to have turnover within your team. And then also thinking about, how are we going to gain training or you know maybe they don't need a 4 day intensive tier 1 institute but all staff need to know why we're doing what we're doing so going back to that why pbis.org has some really great resources results learning center offers two online on demand courses they'll be following up with several courses on trauma informed care and look at the other schools that are 
successful. I think we can learn so much from each other. One thing I wanted to mention too, in those schools that say they're doing it, but they're not, we also have schools that don't know they're doing it. They're just doing best practice. And so a lot of times I'll walk into a school and, you know, they have their expectations. They're teaching those, they're thriving. It's a community. They're very much focused on building positive relationships. And I'll ask them, oh, what PBIS training did you go to? And They'll look at me like I'm crazy. We've never been to a PBIS training. They're just, it's best practice. Yep. So there's yep. two sides of that coin. Yeah, very good point. Glad you glad you mentioned that. So Katie, one, as we kind of conclude our two episodes together, is there anything else that you didn't mention that you'd like to share before we wrap this up? Just how much I appreciate the educators out there, both certified and classified, we're all in it together. And also families we're and community members, we all are after one thing. And I think it's to set up our kids for success. And so I just appreciate the hard, hard work that is being done. And those that are, you know, trying to reach different stakeholders so we can have a more comprehensive conversation. Yeah, like we said, and thank you for saying that. Like we said at the beginning, this is a high priority topic. It's very complex and it's not getting any easier. It's getting more difficult. And so, yeah, it's a, it's an all-in approach and we need everybody at the table and rowing in the right direction or rowing in the same direction and helping our youth. So, yeah, great summary and I appreciate you saying that. Katie, if any of our listeners have questions, we can include maybe your email sure. on our website so people can reach out to mm-hmm. you if they if they have further questions from you. And with that, we'll conclude today's episode, which is just one of several conversations that we're going to have on supporting youth mental health in Idaho schools. So once again, Katie, thank you for your time and your expertise. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And please join us for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us to explore education leadership, innovation, and impact here on Bloom Together. We encourage you to continue these dialogues in your communities, classrooms, and organizations. Be sure to visit bloom.org together where you can discover more episodes or click join the conversation if you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, keep learning, keep blooming, and keep making an impact one conversation at a time.